Welcome to The Effective Lawyer, a podcast for ambitious attorneys who want to improve their practice. My name is Jack Zenda, and I'll be your host. Welcome back to another edition of The Effective Lawyer podcast. My name is Kevin Tully. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Zenda Law Group. With me, as always, is Jack Zinda, our lead trial lawyer and founding partner at ZLG. Today, we're going to be talking about how to get the big case without having to spend for it. So, Jack, kick us off. What do you? Uh, what comes to mind for you when you think about what is a big case? Yeah, well, thanks, Kevin. Well, you know, I think the first thing you want to do is define for your practice area what a big case is. And for me personally, at our firm, a trucking case is typically a larger case and one where there are serious injuries or a death involved. And so for us, that is what we've lined up as being a a big case. And you want to try to define a big case as specifically as possible. Um, And that comes from the idea of there is so much competition out there in the world now as an attorney. Um, You have new attorneys that are coming out every day. I think there's more law schools than there's ever been before. And you have more and more people trying to market and advertise. So the narrower you can go and the more of a specialist you can be, the better off you can be on that type of case. So that's the first thing is you want to try to define what a large case is. And for us, for example, it is a trucking case. Uh, for If you're a family law attorney, it might be a multi-million dollar divorce involving an executive. Uh, if you're a criminal defense lawyer, it might be a white-collar uh, crime case or maybe a capital murder case or maybe it's a DWI case. But try to get as specific as you can with identifying what your type of case is that you're targeting. That's step one because I find a lot of attorneys just want everything and couldn't even tell you what a big case is to them. I got a letter recently from an attorney that focuses solely on dram shop wrongful death cases. And for those of you that don't know, a dram shop is when someone was killed due to a drunk driver in an establishment, typically a bar, overserved someone knowingly, and that person died. Now, it's a very narrow niche. It's first, they are a litigator. Then they represent consumers or injury victims. Uh, then they represent people that were had a loved one killed involving a drunk driver who was overserved. So that's a very narrow niche, and they knew exactly what they were targeting. What... Um what percentage of cases do you identify as a big case, roughly so, speaking? Over time, we've looked at this data over the last 15 years. And in general, about one out of every 50 cases we consider a, you know, a what we'd consider in the top 10% of the cases we want as a firm. Yeah. So a very large case. And then about one out of every 200 is going to be a game-changing case for the organization. And that's carried true uh, over the last 15 years in general. So one thing that an attorney could uh, think about when trying to identify what is a big case is uh, you don't want to find yourself in a place where you're identifying all of your cases as big cases, right? You want to take that top 10%. And uh, and when we say big case, we're talking about potential value from the case, right? Not workload or or anything like that, but the, the revenue that would come from this case, right? So That's right. I think, yeah, I think you could define it as, in this instance, as revenue. Okay. If, you, if you were in an area where it wasn't about revenue, say you're you know, doing pro bono work, it could be 
uh, some other metric. But I think most attorneys, nine times out of 10, is going to be defined by revenue generated proportion to the amount of work you're putting into the case. Okay. So now that you've identified what your big cases are, uh, how do you start to think about acquiring those and, and, and doing so at a reasonable cost? So step one is become an expert at that area. Okay. I see a lot of attorneys that want a massive case, that want a big personal injury case, that want a trucking wrongful death case. But frankly, if they got the case, they wouldn't know what to do with it. And it also prevents them from really being aggressive about going out and getting them because they don't really trust themselves if it came in the door. I believe there's a little bit of kind of like they feel like an imposter almost even trying to market for those. So I would first become an expert and become competent. Now, if you are a solo practitioner in a small firm and you don't have the cases already or someone within your firm doesn't to work off of it, go find a mentor that you can learn from, you know, offer to go to trial with them uh, and work for free. Go to CLEs. Um, Try to really master your craft and understand what this case involves and how you would work it up when it came in the door. Uh, That's really critical because you don't want to not understand what you're doing. That's also going to help you in marketing yourself, as we'll see later as we're talking through the different steps in the process. So one thing you want to think about is creating the profile of your ideal client that's in the situation that you're looking for. Okay, You want to think about what have they gone through? What questions would they have? And I would actually write this out. So if I'm dealing with a wrongful death case where someone say, and it's a tragic situation, they lost their husband or wife, you know, who's going to pay for the funeral expenses? Who's going to pay for the lost income that this person was entitled to? What type of demographic would look for an attorney that needed help? Uh, Typically in our profession, a lot of people that are wealthy don't look for a personal injury lawyer because they have the means to overcome the issue that they're dealing with. Now, we've had a lot of wealthy clients, but in general, that might be something they look at, you know, five, six, seven months, a year after it's happened, if at all, where someone who is working, you know, in a factory and, you know, they make $40,000 a year and their spouse needed that income to pay the bills, they need to figure out what the next steps are. So I'm putting myself in the potential client's shoes And I'm thinking about what do they do for a living? Where do they live? If I was, for example, looking at a DWI case, I might think, okay, I'm looking for high wage earners that live in this part of town. And so I'm building a profile of the ideal client and I'm writing that out. Then you want to build the profile of the ideal case, like we talked about before, in as much detail as possible. So for example, I might say, I want to look at trucking cases involving uh, 18 wheelers that travel interstate that cause a catastrophic injury uh, somewhere in central Texas. Uh, And so now I'm narrowing the profile of what I'm looking for, for that ideal large client. And so I've got a profile of the ideal client and a profile of the ideal case. And then I'm laying those things out on the table so I can see what I'm trying to target. From there, uh, you've built your target audience almost, uh, it's marketing, marketing parlance, but uh, you've got your target audience, you've got your target case. Um, I'm imagining now you can start to think about some strategies of, of how to go out and find that. 
Exactly. You know, in back to becoming an expert for a second, this is why it's important to understand how these cases work. So go see what other large cases are like. What are the fact patterns? What are the results? You can look at appellate cases. You can look at jury trial verdicts. You can look at verdict search, but try to pick up on fact patterns if you don't have a lot of these. So you can kind of get a sense from other cases, what the types of cases that you're looking at are. We have a, a software program we created called The Vault, where we store all of our results. And then we can search to see fact patterns that may pop up in other cases that we're looking for. But you can do that on your own by going out and researching through online databases like Verdict Search or Westlaw or looking at appellate cases or checking your local trial or listserv. Now, once we have that information, you want to create a budget. Now, we talked about at the beginning, this is a way to get these cases without spending a fortune. But you still need to create a budget for how much time you're willing to investigate this case and then how much money you're willing to spend. And you need to put a value on your time. Your time is not free and your time is not limitless. Um, even if you work you know, 18 hours a day, you still need to sleep and eat for six hours. So you've got to put a value on that time. And then you want to figure out how many of these do I want to get in what time frame and be aggressive but be realistic. You know, if you're just starting off, it's not realistic. Say, I want to get 10 18-wheeler cases in the next three months, and I don't have any way of getting those. I haven't come up with a plan. I haven't proved I can get in the past. You might say, hey, I want to get one of these in the next six months. That's really critical. So I've got my budget of what I put together, and I put a value on my time and how much money I'm willing to spend. When I first started practicing, I had a, a policy where I would do at least two networking events a week, with someone I'd never met before. And that was my marketing strategy. I didn't, I didn't have a big marketing budget, but I did have time available. So every week I would spend an hour researching people to go network with, and then three hours per week actually networking with them. And then an hour a week following up with the people I networked with to make sure I stayed in contact with them. So I've got those things. The next thing you want to do is put together an action plan. So now we went from ideal client Budgets, and now we're putting together how do I actually want to go out and get this business? Uh, and I break these things into two different buckets one is advertising, and the other is referrals. Now, these overlap quite a bit, and frankly, when you're getting referrals, that's a form of advertising. But just the way my brain works, I think of something where I'm getting a case from a person uh, that I know or have a relationship with versus someone that I'm marketing towards. On the referral front, again, you want to think about what is my ideal referring attorney or referring person? What sort of clients would they interact with? And for us, we want to interact with other attorneys that either practice personal injury law that may not want to handle the type of case we want to handle or people that interact with the general public. So divorce lawyers, criminal defense lawyers, probate attorneys, bankruptcy attorneys, we typically don't network a lot with corporate lawyers that may deal with Exxon or you know, Liberty Mutual. Um, although we do get referrals from those attorneys from time to time, typically we're going to have a better luck with ones that interact with the general public more often. Right. So I've got my list of ideal people that I'm going to get referrals from, and then I'm going to create a plan for how to go meet them and then how to network with them and then have some elevator pitch that explains, here's how, here's the type of case I handle. Here's why I am really good at it. And here's why you should refer it to me.
This podcast is presented by Zinda Law Group, a nationwide personal injury firm. For over 10 years, the experienced lawyers at ZLG have been partnering with outside counsel across the United States on all types of personal injury and wrongful death cases. With over 30 attorneys, Zinda Law Group has paid out millions in referral and joint venture fees since 2015. To learn more about partnering with Zinda Law Group, please email us at referrals at zindalaw.com. We'll schedule a time for you to meet with Jack Zinda or one of our trial lawyers to discuss your case. So Jack, after you've identified a typical fact pattern for your target case, how does that uh, lead you to the proper sources that could refer you that type of case? Great question. You know, the first thing that I would do is try to get as much information you can on the types of cases that you're looking at and talk to people and see if you can backtrack where that case came from to that law firm. So again, we talked about trying to find results similar to yours. You could also talk to mentor lawyers, say, Hey, I want to be like you someday. Where do you get your typical large, you know, divorce cases? Where does your typical trucking case come from? And then trying to see past history and how those cases end up on the attorney's docket. If that isn't super successful or you don't know where to start there, I would think about your ideal client and what other sorts of legal problems they might have. For example, we get cases from workers' compensation attorneys to where the person was hurt by a third party that is not immune from workers' comp. You know, so it's adjacent. Someone was hurt on the job. Uh, It's going to be someone who needs legal help already for that injury. And so there's a connection there to us because of that. And so that's just one way you can draw a dot from here to, to there. Probate lawyers, you know, if you're looking for wrongful death cases, well, a probate attorney is going to deal with people that had a loss. So therefore, they might have potential clients that had wrongful death cases, and therefore they could refer you that type of case. Yeah. So all those steps you talked about in the beginning lead up to this moment where you're making this pitch. You've become an expert. You've identified your case type you know what these other cases look like that you're trying to find. Um, and it seems like it's all coming together at this point. A hundred percent. And this frankly is where most people give up. I, and one reason I don't have any problem sharing this information to the world is a lot of this is elbow grease Mm. and being willing to put in the time and energy to make it happen. Right. And, you know, so that's one reason why some lawyers get, really great cases and others don't because you have to go out there and do the heavy lifting to understand that become an expert in the practice area to figure out what type of case you want and then to go out and interact with people. And I will tell you, it is a grind networking at first until you build that group of people you're networking with. It doesn't feel comfortable as a young attorney. I remember kind of feeling slightly embarrassed, you know, calling up a more experienced lawyer and say, Hey, do you want to go grab lunch or go grab dinner or go grab drinks? Um, but you've got to get yourself out there if you're going to get referrals in a way that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Right. And you've got to be willing to say that you're an expert in that area to get those cases. Now, don't be afraid if you know how a case works to, to say you can handle that type of case. Uh, a lot of people, especially in their career have a lot of, you know, they're worried about saying that I can actually handle it. Um, And that can be an impediment to people actually referring if you don't seem confident in that pitch. For sure. 
anything you want to hit on on the referral side when it comes to non-lawyers? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest ways you can market relatively inexpensively is doing educational marketing. This isn't something that you would buy from a marketing company. This isn't something that you would um, you know, go to an SEO agency to do. This is you putting out helpful, meaningful material to your ideal client and your ideal referral partner. You say in this podcast, we're kind of doing a form of that now, right? So I'm offering free information to other attorneys out there that might think of us if they have a need on a case. So you can do the same thing with the the niche that you're focused on. This is also where having a more narrow niche helps you do that. So if you are wanting to be a world-class divorce lawyer, you know, if you just focus on divorce, that may not be as helpful as international custody cases, Mm. you know, divorces involving professional athletes, or if you're a personal injury lawyer, dram shop cases, trucking cases, um, things like that. You can do blog articles. You can do videos. You can try to get out there and do speaking engagements. You can put out white papers on your website. You can do op-eds. You know, it's amazingly easy to get published in a local bar association or a bar journal, a statewide one. You just have to be willing to put in the time to draft the materials. And this is where you're trading your time instead of the money you don't have. Yeah. But you, again, you got to put yourself out there and you got to do the hard work and you have to treat this like a case. If you treat it like, you know, something that is an afterthought that you'll get to after you do all your real work, you will never get the case that you actually want. And I see attorneys on that cycle for years. Yeah. You know, they never get the big cases because they don't put in the time and think, OK, I need to be intentional about actually getting this case. What I really like about niching down and focusing on a particular uh, aspect of, of this practice area, for example, trucking is that when a, when another attorney hears that someone has a trucking case, you're much more likely to be the first person that comes into their mind in that moment because you're, you're helping them make the connection between the trucking case and Jack Zenda, who's a specialist with trucking cases, versus saying, I'm a personal injury attorney, and then you're just one of many, and you may not be the first one, two, or three that come to mind because it's a broader category that you've associated with. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. Um, you can't be everything to everyone. And the quicker you can figure out what is it you really want to be and what's the best case for you to work on, the more successful you're going to be in acquiring it. Yeah. Anything else on referrals before we go to paid ads? No, I mean, I think that's that's the big thing I would hit on referrals. Um, you know, when it comes to paid advertising, I think, you know, without going too deep into this topic, I just think you want to be really careful in chasing marketing agencies or chasing people that are telling you that you can spend a little bit of money to get that big case. If that was true, the smart players in the market would be doing it. So one thing I just want to note is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, And you want to be really intentional about how you are picking people to work with and what vendors to do. Now, you can do TV, you can do billboards, you can do online. um, And there's a million different ways to do paid advertising. The only thing I wanted to hit on this topic was be careful. You know, if someone says they can get you something for less than you think it should be, have them verify it, vet it and try to get short-term conditions to see if it actually proves out. I would be very hesitant to ever do a year-long commitment to any marketing company um, because you just don't know what you're going to get. And I've gotten burned 
tons of times early in my career because I wasn't really thinking. I didn't understand how it all worked. But if you just remember, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, and have them prove that they've had past results, you can avoid a lot of issues in that situation. Awesome. So to recap, we're creating a plan, identifying uh, our case types and our ideal profile, creating a budget, making that action plan, and then measuring our results. Is that right? That's right. I think uh, if you do all that and work really, really hard uh, for 15 years, you will get a lot of big cases. But, but seriously, it takes time. Be patient. Don't give up. Most people that aren't successful, it's because they gave up. They could have gotten there, but they just gave up too soon. So you got to push through. So if any of our listeners want to set up a networking lunch with you, how do they reach you? Uh, reach me at uh, zindalaw.com. You can also email me at jack at zindalaw.com or give me a call at 512-246-2224. Always happy to meet new people and uh, go out on a networking lunch. Awesome, Jack. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Effective Lawyer. You can learn more about our team and find other episodes of our podcast at zindalaw.com. As always, we'd appreciate that you subscribe, rate, and review the pod. Thanks.